So as we continue on tonight, our God statement is Jesus is our high priest. Can you say Jesus is our high priest? Jesus is our high priest. Yes, yes, yes. As we get ready to dig into scripture, will you do me a favor? Will you stand with me as we read this passage together? This is just a way that we honor and kind of come in reverence, understanding that scripture is God's word to us. It's a gift. It's something we don't want to take for granted. So we stand. It's just a sign of respect and helps us to kind of be ready to hear these words. So Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, everyone say confidence. confidence. That was nice and confident. I like it. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and stay standing as we pray. Lord Jesus, I feel so excited and so expectant for what you have for us over the next 30 or 40 minutes. As we open up the scriptures and go back into a time of worship, I thank you so much for how you've met me through this passage and Revealing to me how beautiful you are, Jesus. God, I've known about your sacrifice since I was three, four years old. But I thank you for the way that you can make it so real to us again and again. And God, right now for myself, for the leaders, for every high school student in here, Lord, we need that tonight. Lord, where we have taken your sacrifice for granted where we have taken it lightly, where even as the author of Hebrews says that some trample underfoot the blood of Jesus. God, we repent. We say that we need your help to be able to to receive your mercy and grace with such gratitude. Not getting used to it, not thinking that we are entitled to what you have done for us. So I pray that you would give us the gift of gratitude tonight. To see and to behold how beautiful you are and how good you are. So Holy Spirit, would you do that in us? If, if you're in this room and you just need the gospel to become alive to you again, would you just pray this prayer? Would you say, Holy Spirit, work in my heart. Work in my mind. And draw me to Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. Beautiful passage here, talking about how Jesus is our high priest. Important questions for us tonight. What does it mean that Jesus is our high priest? What does it mean that Jesus is our high priest? And maybe an even more important question, why does it matter? What does it mean that Jesus is our high priest? And why does it matter to us tonight? How can it encourage us and impact us tonight? First of all, I want us to focus on on the work of the high priest. Everyone say the work. The work of the high priest, and then second, we'll talk about the character, what kind, what type of high priest we have. So we got the work, everyone say the work, and we got the character. We got the work and the character of the high priest. So let me try to summarize like 
a bunch of what scripture dives into in the Old Testament, talking about the work of the high priest. Look at Hebrews 5, verses 1 through 2 with me. Right after what we just read, it says this, that for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men. Everyone say, on behalf of men. To act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. So, so what is happening here in this passage is that we see that the high priest is a person who represents the people of God to God the Father. Okay, so, so they are someone who is called an intercessor. They're, they're standing in the gap between a perfect and holy God who wants relationship with an imperfect people. And what we see from the earliest times in Scripture in Exodus and Leviticus, when we see the Levitical priesthood established, just bear with me here for a little bit of Bible history, is what we see is that the high priest was the one who would offer sacrifices. Okay, they'd offer sacrifices. And the most important one was one that happened once a year on the day of Yom Kippur. Okay, Yom Kippur. And what would happen is that the high priest, for like a whole week even before, they would go into a separate tent and they would consecrate themselves to prepare themselves to go into the presence of God. Little side note here, but I'm like so passionate about like what we do here when we sing songs and worship together. Because you and I have the privilege of being in the presence of God without having to like slaughter an animal, without like having to offer up a sacrifice, all of us individually, because of our sin, there's already been one who has been sacrificed, who gave himself up, and that was Jesus. So let me just tell you, when you come into the presence of God, like why do we sometimes like get like, like a, a good like righteous anger when people are like disruptive during worship or when you're not paying attention? It's because we have the privilege of coming into the presence of God. Right, this costed something, like this costed the people something in the Old Testament. So the high priest would go and would go to the Holy of Holies through, like, through the tabernacle and they would offer a sacrifice first for their own sins because they were a sinful person and then for the sins of the nation. Everyone say sacrifice. So this is what the high priest would do. So in order to be an advocate, someone on the side, on behalf of the people of God, they would act on behalf of them, offer sacrifices and gifts, and then intercede for the people. And what we're seeing the author of Hebrews tell us is that this is exactly what Jesus does as our high priest. Now this is really, really important that we know the difference between Jesus being an advocate and also someone kind of playing the middleman more like, like a tattletale. Okay, I want you to think about it like this because this is really, really important for us to understand this. An advocate is someone who, who defends people and, and speaks on behalf of the good of people. Everyone say the good. Okay, an advocate is a good thing. How many of you guys know like a tattletale is not a good thing, right? Right, ain't nobody like that. Like, like maybe like you can think of someone like in your school, like that like, they love getting other people in trouble. They like they love making other people look bad. Like they go up to the teacher, it's like teacher, teacher, she's talking. You know, it's like and, and it's like they don't have good intentions for it. It's to get other people in trouble or for them to look better. Anyone know someone like that? Yeah, maybe you're sitting next to them. I don't know. A little frustrating. Well, how about how about this? How many of you guys have siblings in this room? Okay, let me, let me tell you a story, okay, because I think this is something we can all relate to. So, so growing up, I have three other siblings, okay, I'm the youngest. So I got Pastor Victor, then my sister Michaela is the next oldest, then my oldest brother, Augustine. So naturally, when there's three boys and a girl, my, my sister was kind of like expected, either you're like, you're going to do exactly what the boys want to do, 
or you're going to be left out, okay? It's, it's not very nice, but that's how it was. It was like, you're either going to like fight and play like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings games with us, or like you can go do your own thing and we're just not going to play with you, okay? It's, it's rude. But so my sister being like the tough person that she is, she would hop in with us. And so I remember I was maybe seven or eight and like with this memory, it's very distinct. There's still a mark at where this happened. So, so Pastor Victor and I, we were like, we were little runts, okay? We were tiny little kids, like three foot four, like 30 pounds, like, like someone could play me and I'd go like 40 yards. Like I was a tiny little kid and Pastor Victor's pretty tiny too growing up. And so, and our oldest brother's a good amount older than us. So he had gone through this weird thing called puberty, you know, and so he was a little bit bigger. And so I remember there was this distinct moment where we're like playing some form of Star Wars themed type game. Like I don't know, like we're jumping from like pillow to pillow, like we're on Mustafar, like, like dodging lava. I don't know. Any Star Wars people here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say Mustafar and some of you are like, what? Okay, just distract with me. So we're playing some Star Wars games. So we're kind of like fake fighting. And there's this moment that little runt Victor and Augustine are, are fighting and wrestling. And then there's this moment that somehow Victor either musters up some great strength or like the Holy Spirit came upon him. I don't know. But, but Victor musters up some great strength. And as they're wrestling, throws Augustine. And Augustine goes into the wall and breaks a hole in the wall. Like my boy just went through it. So either it's Victor Strong, Augustine was big or the wall was weak. I don't know. We'll say Victor is strong somehow. Okay, so like, like Augustine goes through the wall and how many of you guys know this feeling? That first of all, you're dying laughing and like making fun of Augustine, right? But then there's this moment of like panic of, I need to make sure mom and dad know that's not my fault. Right? Like I need to know, like in this moment, that like I need to go and like advocate for myself, but really I want to go and, and say something like the other people's detriment so they know I am guilt-free. Any of you guys ever done that before with your siblings? Yeah. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. You're a liar. And this room, like, like we go because we want to like cover our tracks and make sure we don't get in trouble for something I didn't do. But what does an advocate do? Think about what does an advocate do? The advocate would go and they'd say something really sweet and well-composed. And mom and dad, we were just, you know, having so much fun together because we love each other and you've raised us to care about each other. So we actually broke a hole in the wall and we're so sorry. Like we go on behalf of that person for their good. Everyone say they're good. Are you talking to me? That Jesus is not there to come before God the Father and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude, Teddy, yeah, still struggling with that sin, Father. Can you believe that? What an idiot. Man, like, man, yeah, that girl Marin, like she still like can't get over that one temptation. Like, can you believe? That's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is he's going before the Father as an advocate for your good. Everyone say an advocate. This is what it means that Jesus is our high priest. Let me, let me just dive into two things that we see about what it means that Jesus is our high priest, what he does. Number one is this, is that Jesus makes a way to atone for all Sins. Jesus makes a way to atone for all sins. Look at Hebrews 2.17 with me. This is what it tells us. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. Everyone say propitiation. A great word. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. What this word means is for Jesus to be a substitute. So what, what we see here is that the way that Jesus acts as a high priest is he becomes the substitute. He himself becomes the sacrifice to pay for you and I's sins. And what's really, really important for us to note in this is that this is Jesus' final work. Everyone say final work. 
final work. What this means is that when Jesus went and he died on the cross, the atonement was good forever. The atonement was good forever. It, what it didn't mean was that Jesus went and died knowing that like, okay, your sins are covered the first time you come to Jesus, like pray the prayer and repent. But if you ever like slip up again, you got to figure out a way to God yourself. What we see is that what Jesus did is he became the propitiation. One more time, I'm going to say propitiation. It's so fun hearing everyone say that. Propitiation. He becomes the propitiation, the substitute for our sin. He says, I'm going to take on the punishment that they deserve so that they can always be forgiven. And maybe to some of you need to be reminded of this. This This isn't new news for most of you, but I want you guys to look at me and to listen closely. If you are a believer in Jesus, if he is your savior, if you have received the gift of salvation, no, you don't need to add anything to salvation. Like you, like you could be a mess right now in, like, in the worst of like addictions and sin and like not knowing how to get over temptations that you're facing. And guess what? You're still forgiven. When God the Father looks at you, he sees you as righteous. He sees you as a new creation. Look at Hebrews 10, 14. This is what it tells us about Jesus' final work of forgiveness. It says, for by a single offering. Everyone say single offering. This is in contrast to the old priest who would have to offer uh, sacrifices every single year. There's a final single offering in Jesus. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What this means for us tonight is we who are being sanctified, who God is healing and and teaching us what it means to become more like Jesus. We are the ones who, who are saved, who have received the gift of salvation. The work is final. You are forgiven. So if you're coming in this room with shame tonight, if you feel like you need to do some things before you can come to God, let me tell you, that's an absolute lie. My invitation to you tonight, come to Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, come to Jesus. That's number one. We see Jesus as our high priest because he makes a way to atone for sins. Number two is this, that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. So what we see first of all is the atonement is the finished work. One more time, everyone say finished work. Finished work. That is one and done. He has done the work. But now we see that there's, there is more to what Jesus does. Like he didn't just kind of like die, raise back to life, and then like he ascended. And he's like, all right. I did the heavy lifting, I'm tired, so like, I'm a chill. But Jesus actually continues to be our high priest. Let's see what this means, how Jesus intercedes for us. Look at Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Pay attention here. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. What it means that he makes intercession for us. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. What that means is that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the throne of God right now. Pleading your case. Praying for you. Praying for you. He has given you his Holy Spirit so that you might be strengthened. So when following Jesus is difficult, he says, I know, I know that's difficult. Let me give you my strength through the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't just kind of finish his work and be like, all right, I did the heavy lifting. Like, I literally died for you. Like, pick up the slack and figure it out. Like, get yourself, like, towards following me. If you're having a hard time, that's on you. No, no, no. Jesus is literally praying for you right now. This is how Dane Ortland says in one of my favorite books, Gentle and Lowly. He says this, justification is tied to what Christ did in the past. 
Intercession is what he is doing in the present. Everyone say the present. Intercession is what he's doing in the present. The atonement accomplished our salvation. Intercession is the moment-by-moment application of that atoning work. Let me describe it like this. How many of you guys would love to get a million dollars right now? If you're not raising your hand, I think you're a liar once again. (laughs) Or you're not listening. I hope you're listening. Right? It would be awesome to get a million dollars right now. Right? Like... My wife and I could afford a home in Colorado Springs, thank God, right? Like, like it'd be amazing. But here's the thing. If you were to be given the gift of a million dollars right now, I don't have a million dollars. I'm a youth pastor, okay? I don't have it. But like, imagine you get that right now. Think about this. For most of us, we'd be so pumped about the gift we received, but we'd also be really stupid. And we'd have no idea what to do with it. Are you with me? Like, like we'd be like stoked, like, let's go! A million dollars, like, unlimited coffee, food, shoes, and, like, NBA league pass and traveling somewhere. That's where my brain goes. I don't know about you. Like, let me go to Loyal, spend way too much money on coffee, eat some good food, like, high-quality tacos, and I'm going somewhere awesome with my wife. Okay? That sounds awesome. But how many of you guys know I would have no idea how to be wise with that gift? Pay attention. Pay attention. I would have no idea what to do with that gift. I would have no idea how to save it, to steward it, to to invest it. It would be an amazing gift. But the implications for my life would be pretty short-lived. And this is what Jesus does. Pay attention here. Jesus has given us the greatest gift on earth. It's an eternal one. Any gift you're given here on earth, even a million dollars, like that will end one day. It will run out one day. It won't matter one day. Salvation, eternal life with Jesus, it's a great gift. But you know what's amazing? He doesn't just give you a gift and say, all right, now you figure out what to do with it. Now you figure out how it changes your life. Now you figure out how you can continue to follow God. He says, I'm going to give you this gift and I'm going to walk with you so I can transform you and change you. Are you with me? Are you with me? God doesn't want to give you the gift, but Jesus walks with you as the high priest and intercedes for you, look at Hebrews 4.16 with me one more time. We're jumping into scripture today because it's so good. Let us then with confidence draw near. Everyone say draw near. And do it with the clock. Say draw near. Let us then with confidence draw near. That was some bad rhythm. That was tough. We need to work on that. We'll work on it another time. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You may have heard definitions uh, about mercy and grace, something like this, that, that mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? Like what you and I deserve is like, is the wrath of God. It, it's suffering. It's, it's like eternal separation from God because of our sin. And so what do we see is that God's mercy has made a way for forgiveness, but it doesn't stop there. It says that we can also find grace to help. Everyone say to help. To find grace to help in time of need. Jesus isn't just concerned about getting you, getting you saved and you just praying a prayer and like getting the I'm not going to hell pass. He cares even more about you knowing who he is. Knowing who your father is and knowing that the gospel changes everything about your life. And it's actually the thing that gives you value. Friends, this is good news tonight that we receive mercy and grace when we come to Jesus. Now, this is what I want us to see as the last thing. It's the last thing. What amazes me in Hebrews, anytime it talks about Jesus being the high priest, it's, it's almost always in connection to the fact that he has undergone temptation and suffering. Everyone say temptation and say suffering. 
When it talks about Jesus being our high priest, it almost always connects to the fact that Jesus has been tempted in every way and that he has suffered. Let's, let's, let's see it in the text real quick. Hebrews 2, 7 said, or 17 says this. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Everyone say every respect. In every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Pay attention here. For because he himself has, what does it say? Because he himself has, he has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Look at Hebrews 4.15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, everyone say every respect. One who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let's look at one more. Hebrews 5, 7 through 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he, what does it say? Through what he suffered. We see a clear connection here. Between Jesus being high priest and the suffering he has endured. Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever tried to do something really, really difficult all by yourself before? No. Everyone in this room is like, no, I don't do hard things. How many of you guys have like ever tried to do something hard by yourself before? Isn't it terrible? Isn't it terrible? And, and on the flip side of things, like how many of you guys have ever done something really difficult with other people around you? Isn't that like somehow in some weird, crazy way, like the best? Like think about this. Where, where are my athletes at in the room? Where are my athletes out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Think about this. Like when I think about like what it was like to be an athlete growing up, I'm, old, I'm not really old, but I feel old. I'm washed up and I have a bum ankle, okay. But like back, back in the day, back in my prime, okay, back in, which was like 13 years old, eighth grade, okay. That's like when I hit like the peak of my basketball abilities. But like back in the day, it's like when I think about like, like team sports and like, like basketball teams and like, like doing it with my brothers, like there was something so terrible and so great about like suffering together. Right? Like when you, start, when you start the season or if you're like a basketball player, you get this. Like when you come back from Thanksgiving break and the coach knows you ain't worked out, you ain't been running, and you ate way too much. And they're like, I know. Let's just kill my players by doing cardio for like an hour and a half. It's a great idea. You guys ever experienced this, right? Like, like you go into practice and it's like, okay, like we're going like, to do like these things called 13s. We're like run side to side on the court. You have to get it 13 times in a minute. If you don't or if anyone doesn't do it, we're going to do it again and again and again. How many of you guys know like. No one in their right mind would be like, pull up to the gym, pull up to the YMCA or wherever you go play basketball. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to go run 13s for fun. Like, like no one would ever be like, you know what? Like, this sounds fun. Like, I'm going to do like 100 burpees and see how fast I can do it. Because that just sounds like a blast. No, like, like if you have that gift, first of all, you're weird. And second of all, like, teach me. That's awesome. But like, like, no one, like, wants to go through suffering by themselves. You know what also is terrible when you're doing something really hard? Is when you have someone telling you what to do and yelling at you who's never actually gone through it before. Right, right. Like, there's so many roasts right here. But like, like think about it, like sometimes you have a coach, right, where it's like they're yelling at you, telling you what to do, and sometimes the thought goes through your mind. It's like you can't even shoot a jump shot. You know, it's like like you can't even like 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 you don't even run. Like like how can you tell me what to do? And you're sitting here like one more, one more, and it's like 
I don't want to listen to you because you don't actually understand what, I've, like, what I'm going through. Like you don't get what, what like this feels like. Have you guys ever felt that way before? Right? I think often when we talk about this idea that Jesus, shh, listen, listen. When we talk about this idea that like Jesus has suffered, that Jesus has been tempted, I think sometimes like it can sound like this cool, like cute thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Like he knows that I go through hard things. Awesome. But, but like, I think it's so, oh, hello. I think it's like so much more than that. That, that Jesus isn't like the really annoying coach that's just saying, come on, Drew, keep going. Don't fall into sin. Don't fall into temptation. Don't like, don't make a bad decision. Keep following me. Keep praying. Keep. That'd be so annoying. Like if Jesus is up there just trying to tell us what to do without understanding that like there's pain and suffering that often like it's costly to follow Jesus. Like none of us want that. But what I want us to see tonight is this. Focus in with me. Focus in. So last few minutes, what I want us to see is that Jesus empathizes with us. That Jesus truly empathizes with us. One more time, look at Hebrews 4, 15. It says, for we do not, everyone say we don't. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect, if you have your Bible, I want you to unwind that. Every respect has been tempted as we are, yet Without sin. What we see here for, for the Greek word for, for sympathize, it's the word sympatheo. Everyone say sympatheo. And what this word means, it means to be affected with the same feeling as someone else. Or to commiserate. To, to share in misery. And I think sometimes like when we hear the word like sympathy, right? Like what we might think of like in our current English context is like someone saying like, I don't want your pity. Like I don't want your sympathy. Like there's nothing like worse. Like you're going through something hard and someone's like, man, like dang, that sucks for you. Like hang in there. It's like I don't want to hear that. Like I don't care, right? Like that's, that's not what Jesus does. Like what, what we, from what we understand, like empathy is a better word to describe what Jesus has done. To be empathetic or to show empathy means to co suffer with someone, to co-suffer with, with someone who is going through something difficult or to experience alongside. And this is what I want us to catch tonight. I want everyone to look at me, look at me, look at me. What I want us to hear tonight is that Jesus is not just familiar with your pain and suffering. He's not just like familiar, like in his head he knows, oh yeah, they are going through this difficult thing. Yeah, I know that their parents are divorced and so that's a hard thing. I, I know that they're wrestling with temptation to keep following me because they're being made fun of for. He doesn't just know about it like in his mind. What we see in this passage, what we see to be true about Jesus is that he experiences it with us. Are you with me? He experiences it with us. Worship team, you guys can go ahead. Come on up. As we get ready to land, this is what I want us to see. You might be asking yourself like how cool, Jesus has gone through hard things too. How does that encourage me? How, how does that encourage me tonight? What does that actually mean for my life? This is what I want us to catch tonight. Is that Jesus Christ, our high priest. Everyone look at me, everyone look at me. Wes, you can turn the lights down a little bit, brother. What this means is that Jesus, our high priest, when he is praying for you, when he is interceding for you, when he is coming before God on your behalf, 
And he's interceding and, and praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you when you're walking through pain and suffering. Jesus is doing all those things because he knows exactly what it's like to actually experience real temptation and real suffering. And I think actually what we see in the Gospels is that he has experienced far more pain and suffering and temptation than any of us will ever understand in our entire lives. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Please lock in, I don't, I don't want you to miss this. As I was preparing and praying and putting this message together, as I started to think about the different ways that, that, that Jesus has been tempted and that Jesus has suffered, that we see in the Gospels. I, I thought of Jesus going out into the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and praying. And what we see here is that, that Jesus is tempted by the devil himself. Like it's pretty intense stuff. But he's not just being tempted to like, hey, you should compromise and like eat a burger because you're hungry and you're fasting. Like break your fast, break your fast. Like, no, no, no. Like what is on the line here? Is the devil's trying to tempt Jesus and say, hey, you don't actually have to go through the cross and all of that to get glory. I can find another way for you. What was on the table ultimately was submission and trust and faith in God the Father's good plan. But you know what? Jesus knew exactly what that meant. That saying no to the temptation of his flesh, saying no to the temptation to, to, to kind of find a way out meant not going to the cross to endure the worst pain and suffering that any of us could ever endure. And what does Jesus do? He stands up to the devil and he faces temptation. Temptation more heavy, more weighty than you or I could ever experience. When I experience temptation, like, like the fate of the world isn't at stake. Like the salvation of all people is not at stake. Jesus, as he is tempted to find a way to be able to, to save his life, does not falter. It takes me to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane that we see in the Gospels where it is hours before Jesus is betrayed, arrested, and brutally murdered. Jesus goes into the garden, gets on his knees. We're told that he, he literally sweats drops of blood. Literally, it's a scientific condition that happens when someone's under so much pain and stress and duress that they literally start to sweat blood. Jesus, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, on his knees, says, Father, if there's any other way, would you, would you please take this cup from me? Would you please take this cup of suffering and pain and death away from me if there's any way? Would you please? Please, God. But nonetheless, not what I will, but your will be done. Can you imagine this? Jesus knowing that what awaited him unbelievably horrible. Like think about this, if, if you've ever gone through like intense physical pain in your life, a really bad injury, a 
physical ailment, a disease, a diagnosis. Like where you have experienced extreme physical pain and like, like you have really suffered. Hear me tonight. Jesus can empathize with you better than anyone else. Jesus, after he's arrested, he's, he's beaten and he's punched and he's slapped and he's mocked. He's flogged with a whip with, with nails and metal and it tearing the flesh off his back. Crown of thorns dug into his head and then he suffocates on a cross. When you walk through physical pain and suffering, no one gets it more than Jesus. He's not removed saying, I bet that hurts. No, he's saying, I know. I've experienced it. I experienced it on the cross. I'm praying for you right now, experiencing and, and co, co-suffering with you right now. I'm empathizing with you. If you've been physically abused, Jesus gets it. If following Jesus, if following God has costed you something, if people have, have betrayed you, walked out on you, cursed you to your face, so that you're an idiot for believing that, if you've lost things for following God, guess what? Jesus lost everything. All of his friends betrayed him. The people who he healed, the people that followed him, the people that thought he was the greatest thing ever, the second he's arrested, they all flee. Do you know what it's like to be betrayed? Are you walking through emotional pain? People walking out on you, people betraying on you, no one talking right now. Don't mess around, look at me. Do you know what that's like? To be so wounded and hurt, Jesus does too. And friends, why, why does all of this matter? Here is the good news. Is that because Jesus loves you and cares for you so much, he says, hey, I've experienced it for you already. I know where you, what you're going through. I know where you're at. And I'm praying for you right now. So I'm experiencing it alongside of you as you're going through it. I feel it with you. But also he has made a way for us to be able to find and receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And this is why Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence, everyone say confidence. One more time, say with confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, will you hear the invitation from God, your Father tonight? Draw near to Him. If following Jesus and following God's will, if, if trying to, to, to stand up to temptation has been hard, if it's costed you something, you are not alone. Jesus gets how hard it is to follow God's will. It meant death for Him. He prayed to his father, if there's any other way, would you show me? But Jesus, knowing that God's way was so much better, that what awaited him and what awaited us, the joy of eternal salvation was so much better. Friends, hear me, you can draw near to God tonight. So will you stand with me as we prepare to worship and respond?